You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Talking Time Lords podcast. This is episode number four. The Dark Side of the Doctor panel. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my companion on this great podcasting adventure, we have Paul Gann. Geronimo! <laughs> How's it going, Paul? It's going great, dude. <laughs> awesome. Well, this episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, yes, we're four episodes in, and we're already changing things up. No, um... I had the opportunity to go to Phoenix Comic Con about two weeks ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago at the time of this recording. Um, and I was able to attend a couple of Doctor Who panels, uh, one of which I was able to record, and uh, we are going to share here on the podcast with, for you. Uh, the panel was entitled The Dark Side of the Doctor, and it contains... Um, the panelists, 10 darkest storylines in Doctor Who, from the earth shattering to you know, horrible choices and everything in between, that sort of thing. Um, and so we're going to play that audio for you and let you guys enjoy that uh, as a bit of a change of pace. But before we jump into that audio, um, we wanted to talk briefly about you know some of the darker themes and some of the horror themes that sometimes creep up in Doctor Who. You know, the Doctor always fights monsters, you know, literal monsters and, you know, beings that become or are monsters in their own right. Um, and of course, as I said a minute ago, the Doctor Who also likes to play with, you know, horror elements like, you know, with the weeping angels or the silence and that sort of thing. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of that that's been throughout the series over the years. Um, even as far back as, you know, the very first season, um, because I remember watching documentaries and how all the kids were talking about how terrified they were of the Daleks, which, of course, if you go back and watch those episodes from the first season, um, you know, they, they're they a little uh, less intimidating than they are now. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Although there, there are some creepy, they they do play up the creepy atmosphere. There's something about black and white that really helps some of the creepy atmospheres, and I think for the first two doctors, that helps in some cases. So, 
Right. I, I think that uh, uh, it leaves a little bit of a mystery, at least in my opinion, when, when you're watching something in black and white. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just, uh, I don't know, for me, black and white is a little more unsettling. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel quite natural. <laughs> um, just my opinion, but uh, I think that that when you're when you're looking at uh, tones, um, I, I, I will say that there there are some, at least in my opinion, some darker tones in the newer uh, Doctor uh, episodes. Uh, whereas the the darker themes have always stayed the same throughout the the classic and new um, shows, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, just for clarification, uh, how are you, what do you differentiate between tones and themes? Uh, well, I, I would say tone tonally um, when you're looking at um, maybe some of the graphicness of some of the imagery, things, mm. things of that nature. Um, actual dark color, you know, dark, uh, lighting versus the, the, the original classic stuff was more, uh, brightly lit, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And of course themes, we, we've seen a lot of, you know, sort of consistent repeating themes throughout the series you know, as I said before, with the the various forms of monsters, um, and of course, the Doctor has has referred to many of his foes as monsters over the years. Uh, the the <laughs> Master being one, um, yes. in particular, and of course, others have called the Doctor a monster. So, uh... <laughs> it's all about that certain point of view, right? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> to bring another franchise in here. Um, <laughs> but is there any specific thing that you wanted to hit real quick before we jumped into uh, the panel audio? Well, when, when I think of, of dark uh, themes, I think of things like the Cybermen, mm. um, who were, uh, well, let's just put it this way, um, Star Trek copied Doctor Who, <laughs> you know, um, the Cybermen basically, at least for me, it, it just every time I think about it, it creeps me out that they leave basically nothing of the person except for maybe their brain and their spinal column and everything else is robotic, you know, <laughs> yeah, parts that <laughs> and, and I'm sure that there are probably a few other bits and pieces left inside the shell, but. You know, the the thing about that, too, is over the years, as the Cybermen continued to change, it seemed as if they left less and less and less and less of the original material mm-hmm. intact. And, and that and that is what they would call a person is original yes, material. <laughs> uh, I was using their terminology. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that just always creeps me out just thinking yeah. about that, because uh, especially um, when they were referring to uh, Cybermen in some of the newer episodes, uh, I think in like season two, maybe, um, when they were talking about um, that there is literally something in the Cybermen that uh, 
cuts off their ability to feel anything so that they don't scream and go crazy. You know, I mean, (laughs) yeah. No emotions. (laughs) That's been a constant with the Cybermen ever since the beginning is that's kind of a dark thing too. There's no emotion. It's pure emotionless logic and they're just kind of creepy. The same thing for the Dalek. The Dalek have it seems like the only the only emotion that the Dalek knows, or the only two I should say, are fear and anger. Yeah. And you know, who wants to live in fear and anger for eternity? Right. Well, <laughs> apparently the Daleks do. <laughs> um, and and of course that anger is sort of just levels of, you know, just simmering, you know sort of baseline anger to total rage, you know, insanity. So it's depending on what's going on. And the only thing that makes them afraid is the doctor. So you think um, about it though, they're like the, the Nazis have nothing on the Dalek, you know, the Dalek are like the ultimate racists, the ultimate in racial cleansing. You know, if you're not Dalek, you're dead basically. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's messed it's up. Dark. It is messed up. <laughs> very, very messed up. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of different dark elements in Doctor Who, but we don't want to take too much away from what you're going to hear discussed on the panel. So um, I think we'll we'll table this discussion amongst ourselves for now. Maybe we'll revisit it at a future episode. Um, but uh, uh, for now. Uh, we're going to let you guys listen to the panel audio, so hope you guys enjoy. I'd like to welcome everybody to our Doctor Who panel. Uh, so, my name is Matt. Uh, thank you for everybody, like my guys, to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Dwayne. Um, let's see, I've been watching Doctor Who since the 80s. Uh, again, I said earlier, my first Doctor was actually Peter Cushing because I saw the Doctor Who and the Daleks, according to the announcer that was announcing the movie. Uh, and then I started watching Tom Baker. Uh, let's see, my wife and I would do a Doctor Who night at Doctor City Comics and Coffee on Tuesdays. If anyone's interested, you can flag me down, I'll tell you more about it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I've been watching the show for ages now, and um, I really enjoy it. Over to you. Hi, my name is Jesse Canfield. I've been watching Doctor Who since uh, Christopher Eccleston. I watched the first three. I got in on um, Aliens in London, which is a weird one to start. But hey. <laughs> um, it was back when even BBC America wasn't playing the Doctor Who episode, so we were getting them six months behind. I've uh, been watching ever since. I love it. I try to get my, my son involved. He's three, but every time he hears the uh, theme song, he comes in and sits down on the sofa, so that's good news. Uh, plan to continue watching Doctor Who until I die, and I plan on being in the theater for the 100th anniversary special. Uh, I'm Matt Duncan. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of the Torx Theater, and uh, I'm also a filmmaker and a puppeteer. Um, those of you who are over 18 and are interested in the Adult Puppet Slam at 9 o'clock tonight, there will be a Back to the Future Doctor Who crossover show happening tonight, so come check that out. 
Um, and I've been watching Doctor Who since Sci-Fi was running the, uh, the original uh, the Doctor Who Nine episodes. Hi, my name is Sean. Sean. Hi. Um, I got into Doctor Who with Eccleston, and he has my heart. I love Christopher Eccleston. Don't take him away from me, and I want him back. Um, but I'm just a natural Whovian. I got into with Eccleston, like I said, one of my buddies said, hey, you should watch Doctor Who. And I said, dude, you're crazy. I'm never watching Doctor Who. And then he sat me down and made me watch Doctor Who, and I marathoned it for about two days straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm not proud of that, but I love Doctor Who. So, there you go. Yay. And again, uh, my name is Matt Duncan. Um, I'm a science fiction writer, and I've um, been watching Doctor Who since Baker, and I'm a big science fiction geek, and I honestly do have a lot of influence on what I do from Dr. Duda was along with the other sci-fi uh, shows out there. So we're going to go ahead and get started. This is the uh, dark, dark side of Dr. Who, and so we're going to give you our top ten of the darkest moments or darkest episodes of Dr. Who and why. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have um, each person uh, basically introduce one at a time and give a brief uh, explanation of it, and then we're going to discuss it. So first up is um, Day of the Doctor and Mac. All right, Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary show. Yeah. Um, this uh, was the episode that where we went back and actually got to witness the time war between Gallifrey and the Daleks, and uh, we got to know the the Forgotten War Doctor, which was the one between eight and nine that the Doctor is deliberately, conveniently forgotten because of uh, his dark past and dark history. Um, and the War Doctor, uh, who doesn't feel worthy of the designation of Doctor, um, is responsible for stealing the moment, which was the ultimate weapon that destroyed Gallifrey in order to and the time war with the Daleks, and this is the moment that, uh, this is the, the dark moment that the Doctor has been carrying with him ever since his regeneration into number nine, and has been um, carrying that with him and denying and trying to forget it, and in this episode, not only does he, is he uh, coming up to confront the moment who is manifest as Rose Tyler, a moment he has not met yet, uh, but also he has to confront his future selves. Uh, number 10, the man who regrets, and number 11, the man who forgets. So, I'm going to open up to the panel. So, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, the Day of the Doctor? Personally, I love the Day of the Doctor. I, now, being an Eccleston fan, being somebody who is genuinely like, I just can't understand why you won't come back, bro, and do anything to have you come back, it left me aching for just a little bit more. Especially right at the end when we get John Hurt slightly regenerating mm -hmm. into Eccleston. And the moment happens, and I'm sitting, and I literally jumped out of my seat thinking the rumors were wrong. Eccleston came back. He has settled his differences. Yes. You had to kill Stephen Moffat to get because I have a love hate relationship with Stephen Moffat. Sure, it's a good point. I think 
it really left me aching for a little bit more Eccleston. And I, as much as I loved John Hurt as the War Doctor, I think that he did a marvelous job portraying that the War Doctor, the person who actually did these actions, who actually ended the time war before regenerating into Eccleston. I thought he was a perfect choice. I just, I wanted just a little bit more from from Eccleston. I think in terms of it being a dark episode, uh, this is double genocide that we're talking about. This is the doctor getting pushed to such a point, seeing the futility of the Daleks versus the time lords and, and all the destruction that's ravaged through time and space and planets destroyed and, and who knows how many countless other civilizations have been destroyed. And this is a man pushed to the deepest, darkest point where he says, the only way that I can end this is to destroy and wipe out of existence two entire cultures, two entire races. And if that doesn't... And one of his own. And one of them his own. So if that doesn't count as dark, then you, my friend, are very twisted. <laughs> okay, so... That was number 10, Day the Doctor. Number 9 is The Girl Who Waved. So, can time be rewritten? Would you destroy your older self to save your younger self? Would that be the same as killing the entire, the entirely different person? Could you look into the eyes of your long-lost friend and refuse to save her? The choice is not simple. The doctor can't just save both, yet he must choose one. And this was one of my top picks uh, because it was a very difficult choice. And it wasn't just Amy's choice, it wasn't just Roy's choice. The doctor, who always has to think of the big picture and has to make this choice, and he knows that one way or the other, he's got to choose between one. He's going to end up killing the other. And for me, it was you know, probably one of the more <clears throat> difficult moments that you see the doctor go through, and where he basically has to decide that he knows better than everybody else, and he alone has to make that decision. Panel? Personally, for me, the what I found to be the darkest moment of this episode was that the Doctor almost kind of wants Rory to choose. And he kind of tricks Rory into making that choice when they get back to the TARDIS. You know, he makes, he makes the joke, you know, I don't know, it's your marriage, and he goes on about tinkering with uh, the compensators, and he, he ends up stating, he tells Rory, you know, that the TARDIS can handle the paradox. We're, we're good. He, he flat out lies to Rory and says, you know, we're good, both enemies are coming with us. And that, that for me was a very dark moment from, from Smith, from that doctor, and then having Rory kind of just, wait, what? When they get to the doctor, was, I mean, that's crushing. How am I supposed to choose between these two versions of my wife? So for me, that, that was the darkest moment of the episode. Yeah, I can think I can sum up this episode with that. <laughs> Personally, I think you made the right choice. Other Amy was a little ungrateful. Did you know I waited for you for 20, 30 years? I waited for you for two, three years. <laughs> <laughs> some bread. Are we keeping score? Come on. <laughs> she has no sense.
I think that sudden loss, because yes, losing Rory, that was heart-wrenching for him, but realizing that he was going to lose Amy too, I think that just contributes uh, to the overall darkness that we see uh, in Capaldi when he comes about. I mean, you, have a, you have a deep, infinite time machine that can take you anywhere in the universe. Uh, you can pretty much live forever, but you can't save your best friends. Right. There's some things the doctor can't do. Yeah, that's... That's pretty perfect. dark, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to go on to number seven with Dwayne. <laughs> this is Inferno. It's uh, John Pertwee one. season of the show, the first season in color, and this is John Pertree's uh, last story for that season. It was his first season as the Doctor. Uh, the gist of it is Infer uh, the, oh, okay. Inferno is the project nickname for uh, uh, the project to penetrate the Earth's crust and uh, obtain this special gas that's supposed to be really high in energy and cure the world's energy problems. Um, but you run into where there are some really weird issues going on where uh, certain, this green slime will cause people to mutate, and also if they cut through the Earth's crust, uh, the doctor finds out that it's going to destroy the planet. But while this is going on, he's been exiled to Earth, and he has his TARDIS console in one of the huts there, and he's using the nuclear power plant that's running the drills to do experiments on that. And he goes sideways through time, kind of like if anyone remembers sliders, it's kind of the same idea, where he's on a parallel Earth where uh, it's the British Republic and the British royal family has been executed. They're kind of like a fascist state. You Right there you have the brigadier, who's the brigade leader. You have Sergeant Benton, who's now a platoon leader. And so he's dealing with these people, and they're further along with their program to penetrate the Earth's crust. And the big dark thing is, uh, the planet's going to get destroyed, and the doctor wants to get back to tell his Earth that he's from, you know, to, to stop the program. But also, he's got these people who are kind of parallels to people he, he loves and deals with, and he can't take them with him because it will cause a, a really weird paradox that will cause some really bad issues as far as uh, time and space goes. So that's kind of... Uh, the, there's a, a, a bit there where he's getting ready to go and you have the other, uh, you have uh, Liz and the Brigadier there and some other people from there and 
he's trying to go and he's saying, no, I can't take you with me, I can't take you with me, and, and Liz realizes that, and the Brigadier is just trying to get him to take him with it. And I, I don't want to ruin anything if you're going to watch this episode, so I'm not going to get into too much detail there, but it's really the big choice that the doctor has to make is he's got to go back and he can't take these people with him. And he would really kind of like to, they don't get into it as much, but he, but he can't. <coughs> I've never seen this episode, but I have watched Sliders. <laughs> I think they should have stopped when the O'Connell brothers left because why is Remy the center character in that show? But it's better parallel with the evil spot. Yeah, there's also there the uh, the ISS Enterprise with uh, Mirror Mirror. That that's a good parallel too. Uh, the other thing is, it's also a bit like where you have the two Amy's and you can't have them together. Mm. So you run into that, and then there's also some other classic Doctor Who ones where you have two regular years that can't be together from different time periods. Okay, we're going to we're going to move on next. Uh, next is Jesse with number six. The curse, curse of Henry. So we open up on the Doctor and the Ace. Dying 
there's this ancient evil that's trying to get out. The only thing that can stop it is faith, and nobody has enough faith except for Ace. And I don't want to give away the uh, the ending, but in this episode, in addition to you know the, the multiple deaths by Kibbutz, uh, in addition to the gals in the town being uh, turned into vampires, you find that these generations have been cursed by this evil that uh, Ace's uh, mother and grandmother uh, were kind of played by this ancient evil, Fenric, to create Ace the way that she is. And to finally win, because the only protection against the human force is faith, the doctor has to just excoriate Ace and just light into her and just destroy any faith that she has in him. So we have vampires, we have an ancient Viking curse, we have murders of plenty, and then we have him completely alienating this this young girl who had so much faith in him. So I think that stands out as a very dark moment uh, because we are dealing with, again, this ancient curse that's been playing against the doctor, trying to get free, trying to destroy the world because what the human wars are is the human race destroyed by this ancient evil, uh, unleashing this green slime on the world and creating an evil toxic world. And the only way to save the day is to destroy Ace's fate. Now, eventually, obviously, the doctor wins the day, but it's, it's a lot of, I mean, if you can get past the cheesy effects, I'm sorry I had trouble with that. Um, it, it really, it, it's got a lot of very dark moments, and I think it really stands out as being one of the darker uh, serials uh, from the classic. Let, let me pose this question to you. Now, the older doctor didn't have the budget that the newer doctor has. Now, do you think that when they had the constraints of no special effects and no budget, that they had to really focus more on the writing and the character development than they do today? Or do you think it's just as strong today? I think it's as strong today, uh, depending on the episode, because a lot of the dialogue is very sculpted. A lot of the acting is very wooden. Uh, but the overall message of the plot and the challenges that are faced by the Doctor and the way he's got to tear down Ace, uh, I think that really, you know, if you can look past what we're used to, because a lot of us started with Eccleston, and look past the fact that they had the budget constraints, and you look at the plot and, and the message and the situations that it, it actually does have that as a good episode, relatively dark. Cool. Uh, we're going to move on to number five. Uh, this is uh, with Matt. All right, Asylum of the Daleks. Run, you clever boy, and remember. Um, I ain't building a clip. <laughs> Prepare me for these things. Tell me. I said you'll be Okay. Sorry. Uh, so the Daleks. Uh, so you have a planet full of Daleks that are so mad, crazy, and messed up, not even the Daleks want to deal with them. So they uh, put them all there. And 
Not only that, but there is a microvirus of nanites that attack any organic matter and turn anything alive or dead into a Dalek zombie. So you have people walking around with Dalek eyeballs popping out of their foreheads. Some of them are skeletons. So if that's not nightmare fuel, it's right up there with the not quite as bad as Sleeping Angels, but it's kind of in the, uh, in the neighborhood. Um, and of course you have the, the tragedy of Osmond Oswald. Um, it's our uh, first appearance of Clara, and we don't know that's going to be only the first. It appears like it could be the last, because um, in encountering the doctor, we discover that she is actually not really a person, but a Dalek believing she is a person, because she was a person that came, fell victim to this virus and became a Dalek. Um, and then in later seasons, I'm sorry, spoiler, but we will... We, learn that she is Clara, the impossible girl who has helped the doctor at various points in his life. Um, but uh, in this episode, in the context of this episode, you're left with the tragedy of she is um, a Dalek who was trapped in the mind of a person making souffles without milk. Um, and, uh, and then, but I think the most heartbreaking part of this episode, apart from that, is um, in this episode, Amy and Rory have divorced. Uh, because they have uh, basically, Amy feels that she's not no longer worthy of Rory. She feels that you know because she can't give him children, that she needs to let him go. Um, and they have this moment where Rory is willing to sacrifice himself because he truly believes that he loves her more than she loves him, which uh, is a really hard point for any relationship to come to. Of uh, I feel like I'm giving more of this than you are, and that is. Not only their lowest point, but then becomes their reconciliation points, and so, so, uh, so hope comes from this darkest point. Um, but yes, this is a dark episode with zombies and hopelessness and death and Daleks that are so bad that Daleks don't want them. So, what do you guys think about this being a dark episode? Of that is in retaliation to how the doctor is to them. Mm -hmm. 
So that's when you get into a lot of dark stuff there because maybe if the doctor wasn't uh, destroying them as much as he was or causing them as much grief, they might not be doing as much as they were. And he has to go through that maze of Daleks that are specifically yeah, there exactly. because they dealt with him. Yeah, the name off the fence goes, oh yeah, I was there and yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, they really don't like me, especially this one. The Daleks don't like me as it is, but yeah, these guys really don't like me, and I drove them crazy. Yeah, this is awkward. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. There we go. Alright, so I guess you can hear something to move on. Alright, uh, so next is number four. Uh, the Party of Ways. that 
He thought he destroyed it. Now they're back again. So that right there, that's just another, just twist the knife for a man who's already deeply, deeply conflicted. Exactly. Well, the other bit you run into is in order to destroy the Daleks yet again, he's got to set up the Delta Wave, which is also going to um, destroy a lot of other people, a lot of innocent people. So in order to get rid of the big evil scourge, he's got to get rid of a lot of innocent people too. And that's the choice that he's trying to make here as well. And then you get into where Rose uh, becomes the bad wolf. I, I don't know. Again, I don't. For those of you who haven't seen the episode, I don't want to say too much to ruin it. Though we did say quite a bit about it. So, so I always feel funny going like, "Yeah, I could tell you all these reasons," but then it's kind of, uh, how much do you really want to say? Because you know, you might want to watch this, and we don't really want to spoil it for you. But then again, from where I am with Doctor Who, a lot of the stuff I read the synopsis and stuff because I, the, the episodes were missing within when they were found, or there's just no way to see those episodes until much later. We'll just call this a con safety tip. If you're going to go to a panel about a TV show that's been on the air for a while, spoilers will <laughs> happen. <laughs> we, we should have told you that ahead of time. Sorry. We, uh, we're trying to keep the spoilers down, but yeah, you're still going to get alert. alerted death. Spoiler alert. So, and going, going back to Rose's decision to supersede, um, you know, his sacrifice for the Delta Wave, I feel like that kind of, you kind of see a moment of relief from him. He, he, he kind of realizes, you know, he, I feel like he is angry, you know, obviously Rose has commit, is committing genocide here and has taken the decision out of his hands, but that's the whole point. He is, he is no longer having to make the decision of, Killing all of these innocent people, as well as wiping out the Daleks again, and so you kind of see that relief there at the end when Rose is finished with her bad wolf. And she brings Captain Jack back. Well, that, that you know, just mentioning Captain Jack is kind of another dark moment that you can bring up later is that he realizes, well, I've died so many times now, so I'm still aging. I mean, Captain Jack is kind of starting to get Captain Jack is a fixed point in time yeah. because of yeah. Rose's actions. Okay, we're going to go on to number three with Wayne. Okay, this is Waters of Mars. I am the only one left. I am in control of time. I can do whatever I want. 
you know, I've saved little people, I've done little things to change time, but here's a thing that really is a major event that I really should not do anything about, and hey, I just changed it. Isn't that wonderful? And, oh, that doesn't work well because, for instance, uh, Adelaide, who is the commander of the base, is questioning him, going, you shouldn't have this power. He goes, well, tough, I have it, what are you going to do? And she was supposed to have died there. Yeah, this is a big spoiler if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, leave the room now. Go to your house. Yeah, she was the commander of the base, and it's uh, partly her death that causes her granddaughter to captain the first ship to go way out uh, to Andromeda or just edges of the universe and get everything going. And uh, she ends up saying, well, no, I was supposed to die there. You saved me, but you're telling me there, you know, this was a big event that should not have been changed. And so she goes into her house and she ends up killing herself. And he realizes at that point when the big flash of the gun and the sound is like, uh, oh, wait, what have I done? I've gotten way out of control. Yeah, and, and so he realizes just how far he has gone. Uh, first, uh, I just um, base on Mars called Bowie. Yeah, Life on Mars. I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this this is a pretty pretty uh, heavy moment. Uh, that moment uh, where where she walks into her house and yeah. you, you see the flash, you hear you hear the, the bang, and then. Uh, in tenant space, uh, you know, and that reaction was like, that's, it's like, what, what I was feeling was on his face. It's like, oh, and again, it's the futility of, of your actions, so sometimes just... There's a bit I left out. Apparently there's a virus that if it gets to Earth, it will destroy Earth. So that's why the base decided to self-destruct, and that's why she gave the command and all this. But he interferes where, yeah, we'll go ahead and destroy the base, but I will save you anyways, even though you're supposed to die there. And... I'm really mucking with the timelines that I really should not be doing. But hey, I'm the last of the Time Lords. I'm the only one around. I can do this. <laughs> Got a question over there? Uh, this for me, as well as seeing a dark episode, this is one of the most, for me, it's one of the creepiest creatures. Oh, yeah, these guys are creepy. Because <laughs> a lot of them, you have a way to fight them. They have some sort of weakness. But these things, like, say, Dr. Narada, don't. Yeah. You're just kind of screwed. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, you don't really contain these guys. I guess you can freeze them, which is what the Ice Warriors had done in the Big Glacier. But yeah, it's pretty much you just destroy them, or... Well, you can't destroy them. Well, you can't destroy them, and you, you just keep yourself away from them, or you're dead. Yeah. yeah. So, they run. Yeah. Well, you don't become them by not drinking the water on Mars, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and also invest in better filters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't beat them, join them. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to move on. So we're going to move on to number two, which is Amy's choice. And we've got a uh, clip for this one.
um, that was a very, very creepy moment for me. And you kind of realize just how insane and dark this person is, that this master is, and his history with the doctor is just immensely gut-wrenching, and, and it, it really just attacks your feels. But other dark moments in, in the series, this is a dark moment for the doctor, and you can see it. He comes back, he's reunited with Wilfred, he wants to see Donna. He, he wants the help of Donna, but knows that literally her head will pop if, if he goes back. Um, this is a great example in the, in the new series of Classic Who, or I'm not Classic, sorry, in the new series from Eccleston on, we physically see the doctor pick up a gun, one of his biggest rules of not using weapons three times, and this is one of them. He picks up a weapon and points a gun at his own people trying to come back from Galifrey. We see that the Time Lords are trying to make a comeback here, and the Doctor knows that this just can't be it, that it can't happen. He's gotten to the point now where he's willing, not only has he already killed, he's committed genocide by killing the Daleks and his own people during the Time War, but now he has to put a gun to their head again and say, this isn't right, you, you can't break out of whatever, you can't break out of the moment that we come to find out, there's spoilers. It's just not going to happen. It's it's dark all around for him. And then just the big ending for me, the, the four knocks, and, and you've got Wilfred in this box. And you can see it on the doctor's face when he turns. It's just that, oh, I know but I, I won. But we won. We, were, we, we, we won. We beat the master. We saved the earth. Damn it, Wilfred. <laughs> and of course, I mean, for everyone that's seen, for everyone who's a Tenet fan, I, I know there are a lot of Whovians out there who just absolutely love Tenet. This is just that moment where I don't think I know anybody who didn't shed a tear over Tenet's final line. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm not ready. Oh. That was, oh. that was also the same last line in the day of the doctor also. Yeah. yeah. That was fan service. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean from from a from the last episode for Tenant, I, I thought this was an excellent send-off for him. Um, and it was it, it's an excellent um, sort of uh, segue into Matt Smith's doctor. Um, we do get to see the darkness from Tenet shift over, but also, like like we were mentioning, we do see that take back where Matt goes back to the goofier, childish thing. He has been through so much now at this point. He is so old. He's a madman with a box. He's lost it. He's lost all of these companions. He's lost all of these friends. And he's had to sacrifice himself to save one of them to yes. save Wilfred. That's the second time he's had to save himself, or <clears throat> sacrifice himself to, to save a companion, and just from the, the restart of the new series. I think this is probably one of my all-time favorite episodes. It's definitely the, the great uh, tour for us for attendees. It's a good way to waste four hours. So we, we got five minutes, so I just wanted to take the last five minutes. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that audio. Um, I, of course, had the great opportunity to hear that live, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, the various audio that you heard 
um, throughout the panel. Some of them was video there on the screen, so that was a little more interactive for the live audience. But uh, it should have gotten uh, you know the point across well enough here for you guys. Um, before we let you guys go and wrap up this episode, we do want to let you know what is coming down the pipe for the next episode. We are starting our review episodes and uh, yes yes i'm very much looking forward to this and we uh briefly touched on this uh in our previous episode um as to how we were doing that with uh we were going to be following a particular villain through the various doctor who uh, episodes and catching all of those villains episodes um throughout the series and paul which villain are we starting with the Dalek. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Daleks. So, uh, primarily because there are more Dalek episodes than just about any other villain episodes, and so this way we get to hit uh, a bunch of the Doctors uh, all in one go before having to start back over again. So, um, there's only one Doctor that we don't get to, as far as I'm remembering. Uh, only one Doctor that we don't get to with this, and that, of course, being the, the Eighth Doctor, Paul... McGann. Yes. I almost said Paul Gann and I caught myself because uh, <laughs> as much as it would be great, you're not the doctor. No. Um, but um, Would you like a jelly baby? <laughs> I would actually. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> but we're going to be starting from the very, very beginning with the Daleks uh, going all the way back to 1963 uh, and the storyline entitled simply the Daleks, which is a first Doctor storyline. Um, and that's how we're going to be starting this. We will be picking up at the very beginning of the show and working our way all the way through to the most recent episode uh, with Peter Capaldi. And we will probably, um, you know, maybe we'll have another Dalek episode added on to this before we finish. So <laughs> with the new season, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, the one thing to keep in mind is that we will be following the Doctor's timeline, so it will be in chronological order for the Doctor. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it will necessarily be in chronological order for the Dalek. Right, right. So, so uh, this is, of course, you know, which basically means we're going to do all the first Doctor, all the second, third, and so forth. So uh, you'll be able to follow along um, easily that way. So. And this storyline is available on Hulu Plus. If you don't have a Hulu Plus membership, I highly recommend you get one because it's got over 300 episodes of classic Doctor Who plus most, if not all, of the new Who episodes that are available on Netflix. So um, highly recommend getting a Hulu Plus subscription if you are interested in going back and watching the classic Doctor episodes. Um, but I'm really looking forward to starting on this. Um, it's been a while since I've watched the Daleks, and which means I have to go back. Oh, have to go back. So <laughs> difficult. Uh, and rewatch these episodes before we record next week. So um, I'm looking forward to it. We would recommend that you do watch these episodes before you listen to our reviews because there will be spoilers. Yes. Uh, any review episode we do, um, just to throw this out here, will be full spoilers, um, especially for the classic episodes, you know, because they've been out for so long. Uh, spoiler warning is almost uh, an obsolete notion for those. Um, 
52 years is long enough for somebody to have the opportunity to watch something. Yeah, or or read about it online. Uh, we'll probably give like a brief summary of the, the storyline before we jump into our discussion for those that um, are interested or haven't seen it. Um, and if you don't care about spoilers and just want to learn more about classic episodes, great. We'd love to have you along. So uh, anything else before we start wrapping this episode up? I can't think of anything. Okay. Uh, be sure to follow us um, on our various social media sites. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. Our Twitter handle is at Talking Time Lord. And you can email us with episode suggestions or comments if you want to uh, at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. And all of that can be found on our website, TalkingTimeLords.com. Oh, and before I forget, I do want to let everybody know that we have a YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube channel is just Talking Time Lords Podcast. Search Talking Time Lords on YouTube. And basically what it is is our podcast episodes are just going on YouTube as videos. It's just another way to reach people uh, who sometimes just listen to things through uh, YouTube. So if you know anybody who does that, please let them know um, and tell them to, to check out Talking Time Lords on YouTube. But I think that about wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. It's been episode number four, The Dark Side of the Doctor panel. Uh, For Paul, I'm Jason. And until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack help support the shows. 